I don't know how I'm going to be funny today. I just feel not right. Are you sad? I can feel sad. Why are you sad? I feel off today. Why? I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's like my knocked my head the wrong way and I haven't been able to to get out of it. Well, why'd you knock your head? I think it's because I uh, stayed up late last night. I don't stay up that late normally. I had like four Mountain Dews. Oh, I it's don't, the, the New Year thing. Yeah. I don't consume caffeine anymore. Right. What? And then I did like four Mountain Dews and a couple, a couple of, um, a couple of tumblers of the strong waters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I just don't feel right today. So I don't know how this show is going to go. Yeah. I can't say that uh, Mountain Dew uh, and strong water is a good combination. No, it's not. Yeah, it's we stayed up last night until like eight thirty. <laughs> I don't. I don't always do it. I sometimes go we, to sleep at like nine thirty because I just don't care. We normally. Well, last night we had plans to stay up. We were gonna. We have a was Nintendo just, Switch now. Was we were gonna invite some friends over. A what? A Nintendo Switch. What is that? It's like the thing after the Wii U. What is that? It's the thing after the Wii. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to regress all the way back to the Nintendo Entertainment System. It's like Atari, Jim. It's recursive. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but, but was it just you and her here? Yeah, because okay. she has some sort of strap or upper respiratory infection or something. So, I won't steal any pens from her, I promise. Yeah, probably a good idea. By the way, that pen uh-huh. that you and I chatted about uh-huh. for a brief moment, like two episodes ago, uh-huh. I did end up stealing it. (laughs) (laughs) It's at work and I promise I will bring it back. Okay. Next week. (laughs) Okay. In my defense, it was a staples pen. So that goes under the follow up section. Okay. She probably probably won't miss it. I hope so. Okay. What do you got, David? You're introing us today. All right. So I have a game. Ah, yes. I'm the the one with games and you You know why that is. You are the game player. Why? First of all, they're they're not good games. Well, nobody enjoys them. I mean, that's that's the that's the common denominator. Go ahead. <laughs> but it's because of my history as a as a youth leader guy person. Yeah, man. your prodigious uh, history as a youth yeah. leader. Books have been written about you. Songs have been sung. I don't think either. <laughs> no, people have sung songs about me. I don't think either of those things occurred, Jim. Now on to me. <laughs> but I have a game for us. Okay, go ahead. It's uh, I'm at excited. least as lame as the games that I did for a youth group. Okay. It is well. Another decade has come and gone. Okay. It is 2019. Huh? What, what are you talking about? Another decade has come and gone. Since 2009. True. <laughs> <laughs> so random. It is funny. <laughs> Jim, if we were to get in the way back machine I'm so, now we're and go to 2009, you know, I'm almost, we'd have gone back 10 years <laughs> Yes, and we wouldn't be able to get back here. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. <laughs> All right. So okay. the game, right. the game basically is happenings in the reformed and pseudo reformed world. Oh, I'm going to suck at this. And when they happened because I'm not online anymore. I have no idea. No, when no, no. Talk. All of these, none of these happened in the last year. I have no idea what the, the Christian world is doing. None right of these, now. Well, none of these happened since you okay. left Facebook. Okay, good. Okay. So I have to, uh, okay, go ahead and explain so the all rules. of these things happened within the last decade. Okay. That's since 2009, Jim. Okay. And your job, I'm going to say what the thing was. You can ask questions about it. Uh, okay. as long as they're not like date specific questions like, okay. Oh, well, when did that happen in relation to nine 11? Like, so that the goal would not of this be... game is for me to get the, the date is it, or the goal or is approximate... for you to be within. I'm trying to decide between three or six months. We're talking a 10 year span here. <laughs> three and six. Okay. Doesn't that sound reasonable? <laughs> yeah, it sounds greatly reasonable. I mean, so much has been unreasonable and I have uh, weathered the storm. 
uh, and this, this sounds show. reasonable. This sounds this sounds fine. I'm not worried about okay. this at all. Um, okay. So, so what uh, would you like? Three or six months? What do you think is, uh, we'll is do six the, months? Okay. I figured you would go for that. That's what I was leaning toward. You know, this sounds hard, but I don't care today. So I think it, it is going to be hard. <laughs> okay. Great. All right. So we have number one here is John Piper retired from. I mean, he still does stuff, but he retired from preaching at Bethlehem. Okay. So, boy. So I'm one of those guys that um, it one day occurred to me that John Piper had actually <laughs> retired. Right. And it was probably years ago. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I had no idea that he retired. Okay. He was replaced by a guy, Bethlehem Baptist, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I think this Is was... Is the geography helping you? <laughs> I'm just trying to say things to... to no, that makes sense. It's like spark. when you... It's like Jason Bourne when he's he's trying to just remember anything. Yeah. Yeah. He's like tying knots to try to remember what his name is. <laughs> tying knots, assaulting uh, security guards. Um, I Would think that help? We could go out. No. <laughs> Live at the Northtown Mall. <laughs> at the Northtown Mall. We're, we're going to record with this. I, uh, I'm going to say this probably happened 2000. Uh, I'm going to go. I think this happened in 2014. Okay. And what, what 2014. Like which, which first or last half of the month? Of the year? I would say it happened in the spring so he could renew himself. Am I right? You're off by a year. It oh, it's not bad. March of 2013. March. Oh, I'm off by two years. Oh, I said 2014. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's pretty close. Yeah. It's not bad. I think that's I did good bad. for not, not really knowing, but I think you did lose. Uh, and our audience is losing. Yeah. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Mark Driscoll steps down. Uh, that was, uh, that was, that was 2016. In the fall. <laughs> it was October 14th, 2014. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. We got, uh, we got, I have six of these total. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tim Keller steps down from senior ta- pastor role at Redeemer. I don't follow Tim Keller at all. No idea what he does. Yeah, it's because he's a Presbyterian. He, wah, could be eight, he could be eight feet tall and <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know. You know, I, uh, I have never actually heard Tim Keller speak. What? I've never heard his voice. What? I don't know what he sounds like. What? That, that's how disconnected <laughs> I am from Tim Keller. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Briggs. <laughs> I thought he was still pastor. So you have just a wild guess. Uh, <laughs> yes. 2018. It happened uh, in December of 2018. So within the last month, within <laughs> a couple of days ago, <laughs> that's my guess. July 1st, 2017. Okay. Calvinist movie release. God bless you, Tim, in your retirement. He's not retired. He just stepped down and now he so he's kind just of fr- runs a church planning so organization. So he just preaches from the front row instead of the... So he stepped down a couple steps. Yeah, pre- okay, basically. Gotcha. Calvinist movie released. Uh, as an official uh, contributor to mm-hmm. the Kickstarter campaign, <laughs> I have my name listed in uh-huh. the credits at the end. Uh-huh. Um, so this is going to be really embarrassing so, when you're So wrong. when the movie was released... I watched just that and then deleted it. No, um, <laughs> just the credits. <laughs> um, you can do that with some of the Marvel movies. Oh, this is how, this is how awful I am. This is how bad that's the, this is how bad show. I am at life. Uh-huh. Um, someone came up to me and said, Hey, we're doing uh, a movie party. We're going to watch a new movie called the Calvinist that came out by this guy. And okay, the, the Calvinist is like, if Mel Gibson did it, this <laughs> is, it's just called the, Thank you. Calvinist. Thank you. Thank you. The Calvinist. Um, 
and this communist movie. And uh, he said, do you want to come over and watch it? And I was just like, I had to like, somehow I attempted to subtly work in that. I was a contributor to the Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, and I, yeah. It felt pretty important. Right. But like, Oh, I already know about this movie. I, uh, I saw an advanced copy. And I, <laughs> I worked that into, and, uh, he, I think hasn't, hasn't spoken to me since he was oh, yeah. so unimpressed with my attempt. Yeah. Uh, so did you I, puff out your chest? I did. Yeah. Show yeah. your feathers. Yeah. Um, I think this was in 2000, 2017. Easy. And this uh, was released. I don't remember what month. But you're just looking for six months. It was Beginning released. It was released in April. No, so that's the April of 2017. Is that what you're got? Is that your final answer? It is. This, was, just, this uh, was your best hope. Yes. And you were off by it was it was October 2017. That's pretty good. That's pretty close. Yeah, it's pretty close, but you've been wrong yeah. on all of them so far. <laughs> pretty true. <laughs> Just somewhere. I mean, we agreed on a on a uh, granularity here. Oh, this is going to be such an awful show today. Babylon okay. B launched. Uh, that was, this one hits uh, near and dear to our that hearts. Was, that was pretty hurtful. Uh, I was on vacation in Hawaii. That would was you say in, it stung? It stung. The, the it death has a sting, uh, which doesn't have one anymore. But this one still has its sting. Speaking of sting, that'll be the next one too. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sting's going to guess. Um, that was in 2016. Okay. Beginning in March. In March. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I know that one because yep. I remember the day the music died in my heart. Yep. Uh, and then I emailed you and said, we can't do our satire news site anymore because this Joker uh, started it and is stealing all of our thunder. Yep. Yep. And I said, why so serious? <laughs> okay. Um, it looked like it hurt you. Strange fire conference. Uh, Strange Fire Conference, uh, the conference... That one stings you, too. Um, that was long ago. That was in 2014. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it's my final answer. Beginning or end? End. October 16th, 2013. Oh, okay. You're up by a year. I'm pretty close. I'm actually surprised that like on none of these, you weren't like off by four or five years because <laughs> yeah. this really just illustrates listeners. If you were playing along at home, which you should have been, they haven't, they've turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this really does illustrate how hard it is like to nail down when things happen. Like, yeah, it does. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, great, great, uh, great conference. It was uh, riveting to watch. Did you like the game? Great display of eating and devouring your children to advance your, uh, what are you cause. even talking about? The game? The strange- <laughs> the show <laughs> our relationship no um no, this, our end strange, of year special the strange fire conference ah all right well is that it yeah that is, uh, yeah that's it should we play the music <laughs> that's how david ends games is, is that it <laughs> well i don't know yeah we'll play the music give me the beat and free my soul i want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away hey david i'm not sure about <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> the podcast you are about to hear contains the histrionic and problematic conversations of a stodgy Presbyterian and a casserole-loving Baptist. Their interactions are volatile at times and unpleasant most of the time. In many nations, this is considered a mild form of torture. We strongly advise you to stop this nonsense and go do something useful with your life. Otherwise, if you insist on listening to this mess, welcome to the lightest form of flogging. Thank you, deep voice man. And like he, I also, well, and like he, thank you, deep voice man. And like, 
Thank you, Deep Voice Man. And like him, I also welcome you to the lightest form of flogging. Oh, that's tricky. Does that work? I don't know. Like and like he, like him, <laughs> like he, like, like unto, he, like he is like unto how he has. I also thank you, Deep Voice Man, and like also unto him, I also <laughs> welcome you to the lightest form of flogging episode. You know this is awful. I told you this was going to happen, and it is. Oh, it's before so my good. Very, before my very eyes. This I'm is dis- delightful. I'm disintegrating. Thank you, Deep Voice Man. And like also unto him, I also... <laughs> and like... Thank you, Deep Voice Man. And like he, his, I also welcome you to the Lightest Form of Flogging Podcast, Episode 25. I am your host, Jim Briggs, and sitting across the room from me at a contractually negotiated 30 feet is my co-host, David McCookie, who has often told me to never smile at him. For all he sees is a chimpanzee begging for his life. <laughs> all right, David. Hey, uh, show today. We're back. We're back after our break. Hey, show. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, show. What do you think? Uh, after our epic uh, Christmas uh, carol flogging end of, year end of year special that I'm sure everyone loved and we worked really hard on. I'm glad we had our little break, but we're back. A new year of podcasting 2019. Uh, I wonder how far we're going to make it this year, David. <laughs> You mean before you bail? <laughs> before I bail for the ninth time. Hey, what do you want to start with? You want to start with some follow-up? I'm sure you have some lovely little anecdotes for us, some some tidbits. <clears throat> yeah, I just actually came up with one. Oh, good. Uh, in the last episode, yes. you said the ninth time twice in the script as a random number. You're a random number whenever you really? generate a random number. You just did yeah. it now, too. You were like, for the, before really? I bail for the ninth time. Every time you pick a random number, it's nine. I think you might be right on that. Pick a number between one and ten. You know what? Seriously, the number I I first thought of was nine. That makes sense. But that might have been because we're talking about it. It might have been. But I just noticed this about you. It's always nine. Leo DiCaprio just like incepted the number nine into my head. But Mm -hmm. did Germans say no to you a lot growing up? (laughs) Nine. Uh, no, <laughs> I wonder why that is. Maybe we'll explore that someday. That'll be a whole episode. There's like a a deep psychological reason why I do that. But I did probably. Okay. Yeah. So there's our first. So that, that was impromptu feedback. Impromptu feedback. Live follow-up, feedback. Live. Follow-up. And it was as wonderful as I thought it would be. So I take issue with uh, there is no use for a way forward machine. A quote by Jim in the last episode. Uh, and isn't. I want to ask you this question. There isn't. Can a brand new guaranteed to work way back machine take yes. me to 2030? It could. How? It's never been there. It can't go back to 2030. No, no, no. This is time travel. You can go forward. You can go backward with a time travel machine. Sure. Yeah. This brings us to the semantic problem. Yeah, it is a semantic problem. Yes. The semantic problem here. It's just like when you use a heater (laughs) to cool your to cool your house. Yes. You can't use a heater to cool your house. But the same the same machine, the same apparatus, the same thermostat can do that. You cool your house in the summertime because you you have a climate control system. Okay, but uh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> the reason why it's called a way back machine is because whenever someone has an opportunity to travel back in time, I would say 99% of the time they're going to do what? They're going to travel back in time. Whenever anybody has the opportunity to travel back in time, they're going travel to travel, in, travel in time. No, that's crazy. I travel would go to the future. Time. Why? Because that's where all the cool stuff is. <laughs> no. How else am I going to get a hoverboard? Uh, that's true. See how hard these <laughs> things are? This is how we should do this. I am going to go ahead and concede that it's semantically labeled wrong. Okay. But like all things that are wrong in the world, you cannot change them. You yes, you have, can. You have to accept you can them. change this. You have to accept and move on. You're with the your one life. made it up. 
because it'll, 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 this will destroy your soul. This will hurt you inside. <laughs> this will claw at you and will change you. I don't want your pity concession. And if too, if you don't fix it before too long, you will be forever change. You won't be able to go Writing back. Amish fiction in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah, you never know. I may send ghosts to come and convince you that it hurt me just then to say Lancaster, 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 but uh, it but is Lancaster, Ohio. I will say to put this debate to bed. You are right. I will call it Jim's time machine. It can go back. It can go forward. It can go sideways. You can do all the things you want to do. How does it go sideways? I don't know. Would you stop? <laughs> Just the show lost. It's in the show lost. You'll, you'll figure it out. Okay. All right. Uh, and then we have a voicemail. We have a voicemail. We have a voicemail. Wow. We have two voicemails. No. We had one that we played a listener uh, with her child called in to, to bring oh, you mean bring in, in the for history something. of our show. We've had history and uh, I feel like we've made it because we have two. Mm-hmm. It's like if we had just stuck with one mm-hmm. and just rode that train, mm-hmm. it'd be especially the pathetic. one train. Yeah. But now we have two, so we can kind of have some legitimacy to right. this show. Right. And they're from people that we don't know. Yeah. No, we don't know who this one is, but let's play our voicemail uh, from uh, unknown user listener of the show. And uh, it's going to be very exciting. All right. So I really appreciate this. Why this form of flogging uh, episode 23, David, I really appreciate most of what you have to say, which may be odd for you to hear, but it has really gotten me to think about a lot of things and think about um, faith in general and what I actually really do believe. And so I do appreciate that. But one of the things that I would imagine I find annoying, but others too do, is uh, you don't have a sense of other people's epistemologies and uh, so it makes it kind of hard when you're trying to give your reasoned defenses and you're not realizing that people aren't thinking the same way as you. So I was really encouraged by this latest um, episode where you began to explore that a little bit and consider that maybe that other people have different ways of knowing than you do. And uh, I really appreciated that, I guess. And I'm looking forward to hearing more. Take care. All right. Well, that's that was nice. That was nice. All right, David. So uh, he seemed to uh, he seemed to be very gracious in his critique. I, I, I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. It uh, seems like a regular listener who'll probably listen again. So I appreciate that. Right. So what do you think about his uh, his uh, criticism of us? Well, uh, the first thing I would like to start to do start with is the compliment. Okay, good. Uh, which is that we we got him thinking. Great. Which I think like could be a lot worse. This show is <laughs> not like an evangelistic coven- covenant or evangelistic effort or anything. We're evangelizing mediocrity. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to think that if this show has a positive outcome besides making people laugh. It's that it also makes them think. So that's actually yeah. like exactly what we were gunning for. And it's really nice to hear from a listener that okay. the show makes you think. Okay, good. So if the show makes you think, you could leave us a voicemail too. Okay, good. I don't, I don't need to be praised. <laughs> <laughs> but the look in your eye, I can see. Right. You want to be loved. But uh, nevertheless, he, uh, he said that we, d- at, at least for me. a time. He was critiquing me. I don't think me. he was. I don't think he me. was. He, which is, <laughs> I think he, I, I'm assuming both. Because he kind of, he didn't talk about you. He said both of us. Right. He said my name a few times. And uh, for perhaps a stretch of shows, maybe from the beginning up until episode 23 where we resolved it, he says that we uh, don't seem to have a sense of how other people 
other people's epistemology. Yeah, so what do so you we, think that means? Well, it could mean one of two things. Epistemology, epistemology, like someone has just a different construct of how they know things. Mm-hmm. And we're Western guys. We live in the West. We, we think in certain ways We're we, in, we're in circles of, with people that probably think Seven circles. similar mm-hmm. with, in similar ways to us. And maybe he's, I think he might be right. I don't really have a concept of all the other different ways someone could know something. I mean, I could be, I could be on the internet all night trying to figure all that out. Or he's trying to say that we just don't have a good enough sense of how people come to conclusions or think, you yeah, know, those are two very so different. Those points. are two things. And I wasn't, I mean, I'm just going to assume after all, he said, we, we started uh, fixing it in episode 23. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. You, I remember that. I remember that episode. You and I were talking about, you know, how, High school, how, how, college, college, and how uh, our attempts at convincing Walmart. people, mm-hmm. logic versus uh, narrative, story versus just pure facts. Right. So it appears that we resolved this issue that he has with us. So that's good. I when I read it and I heard how other people know things, I was just like, that sounds kind of bananas to me because, like, you know things because the scriptures say them and from good and necessary yeah. consequence, like there aren't other ways to really know things. You don't, are there? I mean, like also like, from, from observation, like, like, a um, you know, you see a thing and you see it happen and you know that the thing happened. Yeah. You perceive it and then register in your brain somehow that that thing exists and works in this way. Right. And that's but how if we're you talking know something. about like theology and metaphysics, then it's scripture and, and reason like, yeah. Um, those are, those are really, as far as I can think, the only things that, I mean, you can have a feeling and a lot mm-hmm. of people do build their epistemologies off of feelings. I think it's, it's a common problem today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't call that a legitimate epistemology. Okay. Um, which is why I liked your second, your, your second explanation of Maybe it, which if, was yeah. the journey Maybe. that people take to learn something. Yeah. So the, ultimately they're hopefully convinced by scripture and reason, but yeah, but the journey that they took to get there might not have been syllogisms. It might've been yeah. reading a book with a lot of stories that they found really unpacked it in a way that helped them understand the concept yeah. that syllogisms would not have. So yeah. if that's the case, then absolutely. And, and I freely admit to being on the, on the syllabus on the syllogism side of that horse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I that's why this makes more sense to me if this is about how people think and how people come to conclusions because that's or def- process information that's or learn definitely yeah. the case because I mean, I have encountered people that just don't think the way that I do mm-hmm. and that's that, that becomes a wall. You just can't really break it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have to spend a little bit of time and figure out why this person maybe thinks the way they do or has come to the conclusion that they have come to because I mean, or you also, hit him in the head with a shovel or that. Yeah. yeah. And if, if serve, if, if, if you critique that, then I don't know, I can't help you because <laughs> it, it always works. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going to go ahead and assume that that's what he meant. Yeah. And, uh, if that's the case, then yeah, definitely. I, I want to, I want to have patience and, and learn and understand and, and, and empathize, um, all things that I'm sure you want to do too, David. And right? I think that's, I mean, that's kind of one of the points that I was trying to make was like, I'm realizing that people do, take yeah. in information differently that people are affected sure. by information differently that come to conclusions in a different way than in you? a different, like the, the, hopefully it's the same reasons, but the way that you yeah. got there is different, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of why I, I like the idea of, of recording this show yeah. be, like with you having another window into how people learn things. Cause you and I don't learn exactly alike. Yeah, I, and, I think in strange ways and you have <laughs> other people that, that you know and yeah. that I don't know. And, 
Anyway, so yeah, I think this is uh, yeah, this yeah. is a good critique, and I'd like yeah. to head in the direction if that's what he's talking about. Sure, let, then I'd like to head in that direction too. Let us follow this listener uh, hand in hand down the corridor of knowledge. I uh, <laughs> I don't hold hands. I know you'll, you'll be behind us. That's no, fine. <laughs> With you're looking down at the floor, walking, kicking rocks. Seventy like percent of attacks come from behind. Well, if anything, uh, we uh, did at least uh, come to some um, uh, recovery from that error in episode 23. Yes. I'm sure it was riveting to listen to. Uh, so I, I hope we continue down the road of recovery, David. So thank you. Uh, unnamed listener. We'll call you Joe. No, jo- Joe, Joe's my other Joe Carter. Co-host. No, <laughs> thank you, Joe Carter for setting that. Thank you, Jesse from the reformed brotherhood for he sounded a lot like Jesse. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. It's like, that sounds like Jesse from reform. I don't know that. I don't know him, but it sounded like him. Right. Right. Maybe it was him. Yeah. Well, let's assume it was Jesse from the reformed brotherhood. Let's we do, do that. that. Yeah. I All think right. that he would talk about, other people's epistemologies. Epistemologically that like speaking, that say. is sound. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. Can, uh, we, can we move the heck on? Let's move the heck on. Okay. The heck um, is moved on. All right. So uh, thank you for that voicemail, folks. If you like uh, our unnamed listener would like to call the show, you can uh, you can do that and be on the lightest form of flogging. What privilege it must be if for you. If you like he would like to if you like him unto him his. also uh you can leave us uh, a voicemail. Just call 707-99-TULIP or 707-998- 8547 and regale us with your comments, questions, concern, your eccentricities, your eclectic epistemologies, your excesses, and your excavations. Call us, won't you? We are ready to believe you. David, if anyone wants to uh, join us on our Slack, how might they do that? So they can join in on the fun. Yeah. Yeah. You go to uh, slack.techreformation.com. Tech Reformation is another podcast that I co-host and uh, yes yes it's weird we, we have know. a channel on our uh, you'll need to sign up with an email a password and uh, i think your social security number possibly i'm kidding i'm kidding jim <laughs> calm down you have to state your epistemology <laughs> yeah and- we'll, we'll make that part of the process <laughs> okay. uh, and then uh, there's uh, the hashtag flogging channel uh that you can join um and you can use slack on your phone mm-hmm. on your ipad on your android tablet on your android phone on your Windows computer, on your Mac, on your Linux computer. I think it even runs on Unix. Well, all Mac those, technically runs all those on Unix. things, David. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you from the madness you are spreading. <laughs> Basically, you, you have to do this long process, folks, because I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. But to be fair, we require way less information than Facebook. Good. Yeah. We don't collect your data. Well, no. I mean, well, I mean we he might. can stay where he is. If the money's there, maybe we will. <laughs> Also, you're a grown person. Stop calling him data. Okay. Yes. All right. So, hey, um, that was uh, that was fun. We have a topic today, don't we? What an odd topic to yeah, start. We are, we are. Can I enter the topic? Yeah, yeah. We're going to start a seven part <laughs> series that will take a literal 1000 years. <laughs> through, and, and you and I are going to be raptured before it <laughs> through dispensationalism. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now, these seven parts will be not really related at all. <laughs> no, no. Very <laughs> important that they're not related. Uh, so, yeah, as folks, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're not a, we're not a theology show. Or are we, David? We are so much worse. We are so much worse than a theology. So, so we're not going to be talking about um, dispensationalism, dispensationalism, and all the things you can do with it, or uh, dispensationalism and why it's wrong. We're not really going to do that today. Right. right. Um, we're going to talk. We're going about- to assume it's wrong and insult everyone. <laughs> Uh, preferably, uh, <laughs> but uh, but we're going to attempt. And attempt is the control word. Uh, we're going to attempt to discuss control uh, word. Uh, yeah. So control. like when you're hurting me, I say attempt and you stop. Y- yes. All our audience does. It's called, Uncle? it's called delete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about um, our, uh, our adventures, I mm-hmm. guess you mm-hmm. can say uh, in dispensationalism and um, 
its influence on us, its effect on us. And, um, cause it's kind of interesting, at least when I think about it, Yep. that I used to embrace this kind of theology. And at one point I didn't. And, uh, how I got there is what we're going to talk about today. And yeah. David's going to talk about how, uh, how he went through it and how he got out of it. And yeah. So David, uh, I'll start off. Well, be, you're going to start. Can I be bold? And do that, or did, do you want you to start? You can be italic, you can be bold, underline. No, don't underline, actually, unless you're a link. Keep going. I, uh, I, uh, I line through. <laughs> that's, that's me. Um, so so why in the world would we think this, to- think this topic is interesting? I do, to me, because you have in the past, when I first met you, probably the theological system you, cr- I shouldn't say theological, the first theological thing you uh, critiqued and said funny things about most often. Mm-hmm was dispensationalism. Oh, is this when you met me? I was with you on it, but uh-huh. I was like, wow, this guy talks a lot about dispensationalism. I was talking smack, yeah. And I think the reason why, I, I'm not saying this is a, a, a personality quirk of yours. Mm-hmm. I think it's because you were either going too moody or you were coming out of moody. Yeah. And they're all about dispensationalism there. Yeah. There was and, that, and I had read a book uh, critiquing dispensationalism from a yeah. fairly flamboyant, is that the right word? from a flamboyant perspective uh, or? Or like, like the author, he's just very, um, I mean, aggressive. Was he, was he okay? I was just about to say, is this just, he was just enthusiastic. I can't remember. His, it was, it's like somebody in the Gary North ilk. I don't know who that is. Uh, Ken Gentry. I do know about him. Okay. The, there are uh, like the, the reconstructionist movement tends to be bombastic. Bombastic yep. is a good word. And they're very bombastic in their critiques of dispensationalism. They class their icons enthusiastically. Most of which I agree with, but I had been reading that. So that, that's kind of where my, so my head space was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and throughout the years, you and I kind of have gone into this, this joking thing about this. It just seems to be the, the thing that we joke about mm-hmm. not liking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and I figured, you know, one of these days you and I were actually going to sit down and talk about it, our adventures with dispensationalism and, and, uh, and why it's interesting. So, well, and it's occurring to me now, like, and I don't even have this in the notes uh-huh. that dispensationalism is prime flogging material because we like to talk about how people come to conclusions without yeah. reason, you know, without like, what are the things that drive people other than reason yeah. to a, to a conclusion. And like most of the, 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 this is not to critique, like obviously John MacArthur knows his stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like he's not an idiot. I'm not, I'm not saying that John MacArthur is an idiot. I'm saying I've encountered a lot of dispensationalists who, when I say, where's the rapture in the Bible, they say, uh, uh, it's in revelation somewhere. <laughs> and even like a lot of dispensationalists will not put the rapture in revelation. The, the only place that they will put it is when the angel says to John, come up and I will show you what may take place after this. And they're like, that's the rapture. <laughs> and that's not really, most of them are getting it from somewhere else from uh, Thessalonians. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, they would say that it's kind of like an argument from silence kind of thing that be- <laughs> I, I know Tim LaHaye has said this many, many times and I'll get in. I'll explain why I'm mentioning that name. I'm going to name drop him a lot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He says the fact that the church is not mentioned, right? You, the, the is, word ecclesia, is, ecclesia. An indi- is an indication of the reality of the rapture, right? Which is so, great. I love is, that, which is an argument, I guess. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but that's what they, he would say. There's several chapters where Jesus is not mentioned. So I guess he, he just disappears too. <laughs> he was raptured as well. He's disappeared. He's gone up into the clouds. Um, so, uh, so it's uh, in that, in that sense, uh, I think like a lot of the, the reason a lot of people believe in the rapture is because everybody believes in the rapture and they mm-hmm. read maybe one or two left behind books mm-hmm. and they saw the movie or they, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the paraphernalia or what have you. And that's yeah. pushed. All, and, more so than a lot, like, like, like I would, I would make this accusation, uh, in smaller ways about a lot of movements, uh, like, like spiritual gifts. I, I think that a lot of people haven't taken the time to try to define them before 
they learn whether or not they continue. Yeah, that's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Not everybody. I'm not saying that about you, but I think a lot of people haven't, but, but dispensationalism takes that. Like I haven't really studied this, but I firmly believe the thing to a whole new level. Uh, and again, there are people who have studied it and come to these conclusions. I'm not talking about them. Yeah. I think you're scratching at something that I was going to mention, uh, inspired from our last show about how strongly people hold their, my wrist their <laughs> how uh, the stranglehold people have or how strongly they feel about Christmas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And thus, so when someone, uh, criticizes Christmas or maybe says they, they don't want to because of moral convictions or religious uh, concerns that uh, people get pretty touchy about that and react harshly mm-hmm. to people. And I was just thinking, you know what? There is another doctrine that people get pretty sensitive about. And that's uh, like the rapture mm-hmm. or end time stuff, like dispensational end times stuff. People get <laughs> fairly excited about. And the very few times that I have had fellow Christians get upset with me about a theological conviction that I had um, other than Calvinism was end time stuff. Hmm. Hmm. People get pretty excited about that. So I just kind of had this theory over the years that that has been one of the sacred cows. I wish you went American to uh, modern uh, Christianity, evangelical, I should say evangelical Christianity today. Uh, that's one of the sacred cows. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you felt the same way that, that people have gotten pretty touchy with you. If you've criticized the rapture or have even said it, it hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that people get ex- crazy. If you say, you know, you're raptured mid tribulation or post trib, right? Cause most of them are pre trib, but, uh, but when you touch that, it's like mm-hmm. a third rail. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you touch it and you die sometimes. <laughs> I was wondering why that was. Um, and, and I, and I have a feeling it's going to have something to do with the fact that the left behind saga probably got people pretty excited about it mm. and thus they held on to it pretty strongly. Uh, what do you think about that? I, I I'm not going to say it's, it's as strong as people's feelings on Christmas because a lot of people still celebrating Christmas, but, uh, you know, I don't know how many people are left in the world that are still dispensational, premillennial, left behind kind of, you know, full on board with it. Well, yeah. And I mean, if you're still a dispensationalist you are left behind. Ah, uh, yes. Um, have you read uh, Nate Wilson's right behind? No, right, uh, it's right a parody oh, of funny. last day silliness. <laughs> it's really funny. How long is it? Is it like, oh, uh, it's like maybe 80 pages or something. 80 pages. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, very, okay. it's really short, big font. Um, so that was one of my questions too. That's um, a good question is, is why do you think people are so fired up about this and eat their own when you dare to step away from it? Now you and I are in circles now. Mm-hmm. where we don't encounter a whole lot of uh, left behind kind of stuff. Right. Right. Blood moons. Uh, yeah, we, we, we don't, we haven't seen one in years. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, uh, I have a little story that I'll tell later about actually uh, I did that happened recently. Oh, good. Uh, See, I wish you went to a dispensational church. Like I would I mean, well, not you were, just because you were say that earlier, not yeah. just because it would take you away from I kinda me. I did but because no, I mean like, you would just know how I feel. That's all I'm saying. So you're saying like coming from a church where you, you grew up at mm-hmm, this church. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see you, you were, you were there for a long time. Was that the church yeah, like you 20, went to? Yeah. From zero to 21. Okay. That's what I was going to say. And that church was, I'm assuming 22 fairly uh, dispensational premillennial, the whole package deal, you know? Yes. Although rapture, get it, all of that stuff, nobody, nobody was not dispensational, but there were okay. varying degrees of passion and knowledge about it where like most people were at like a one on a scale of one to 10 and yeah. some people were like an eight. Oh, okay. And I mean, some, I mean like less than 10% of yeah. the congregation. And then you came out of that. Mm-hmm. And you're in a uh, completely different place. You wanted me to experience what that was like. Is that what you mean? No, I just, I want 
I want you to experience it now. M- Missouri loves company. That should be their slogan, by the way. The <laughs> <Okay>. state slogan. <laughs> Maybe Missouri. It's a, we I, love company. I bet you it's on a bumper sticker somewhere. No, but misery loves company, and I just wish you were miserable. Uh, not oh, that I'm miserable at uh, our church. I, I just I, uh, I I try to feel some of the things you feel. Well, uh, that's we for could another. Talk. We could that's have. For, <laughs> <laughs> that's David's wish for me, Jim. Could we please talk? Could you <laughs> could you suffer just a little? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there is some things that I have that uh, if I revealed it, people would probably be crazy over. But well, some people. Like, I, I mean, strive. if I reveal that I'm a Trinitarian, I'm going to have the JWs after me. Like, <laughs> you got to watch out for them. Marwin Grudem. Oh, hey, that's it. That's the thing. That's what it yeah, is. You're not EFS. You know what? You should. I should make a T-shirt for you. <laughs> I don't hold to eternal. No, nobody would understand. I'm with you on that one. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but no, yeah. I know you are. That's why I want to make, we could yeah. wear matching t-shirts to like a family meeting at our church. So I can <laughs> at a family meeting. We'll talk about EFS and the things you can't do with it. Uh, I'll wear one that says, I don't believe yeah. the son is eternally subordinate to the father. And you can wear one that says I'm with that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention today was can I answer the question. Yeah, sure. I thought we were just going over the questions. Oh no, go ahead then. Um, I have long had a personal theory as to why people commonly believe, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but a lot of, a lot of articles that I've read over time have mentioned that there have been polls mm-hmm. of, uh, of people asking them, do you believe that um, the end times, however it's articulated, usually in the dispensation, dispensational premillennial kind of right. thing, do you believe that they'll happen in your lifetime mm-hmm. or like the end of the world will happen in your lifetime? And it's been shown at least for the past couple generations that people believe that it's going to happen in their, their own lifetime. And I have a feeling it's going to continue that way mm-hmm. for some time. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered why that is. And I have a, I had a personal theory as to why that's so important for people hmm. and why they have trouble coming to the conclusion that um, when Christ comes back, maybe it won't be in my lifetime. Maybe it'll be 10,000 years from now. Hmm. Um, hmm. And, and why that might be hard to come to, you know, to, to, to grasp That's that conclusion. Where, what, why, why do you think people aren't there? Well, I might as well get into it right now. I, I, I've long thought that I think the reason people have trouble letting go of that mm-hmm. and accepting the fact that they're not going, let me rephrase. People have a hard time conceiving of a world in which they have very little, they have a very small part to play Hmm. that history may go on without them Hmm. and may go on a very, very long time Mm -hmm. with them having no consequence in it. Their generation, their perception of the world will come and go. Well, not just, not just that, but like your favorite author, like, like it's entirely possible that church history will go on so long yeah, yeah. that people will not re- like none of John Piper's writings. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like he's such the, yeah. a huge thing right now. You're right about that. Yeah. And admittedly, if anybody from this era is going to live on, he's up there among, I mean, just, even just because of his, yeah. how prolific he's been. It's tough to think about. We want to hold on to our heroes, not just because we think people need to, uh, people need to hear what they have to say, but because I think it reflects on us as well. Our own existence. We, we identify John Piper is a part of our, not yours. I'm not saying yours, but a lot of people's identity is wrapped up in John Piper. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like when, popular, when your sports team or your, yeah, your sports team. Yeah. Uh, you know, does well or does poorly. I mean, and then someday no one's going to care about your sports team or your fandom of it. Right. <laughs> uh, 
I love it when David brings up sports. I just feel like it's it's like he's going to get back there. You know, he's going to just tear open his shirt and there's going to be a, a Philadelphia Eagles jersey under, <laughs> under it. Uh, but anyways, yes. yeah. Um, so that that's that's kind of how I thought about it. Uh, people get wrapped up in the fact that they might get to witness or be a part of mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. huge, massive events um, in the Bible. And the fact that they might not even have any significance in it mm-hmm. is tough for people to get. And I'm not like wanting to thrust that onto people. It's tough. I mean, I've been there. I've been there uh, when it comes to this. End- and by the way, I should say, when you and I talk about dispensational stuff, I think you and I are going to focus maybe more on the end time stuff mm-hmm. than it as just a complete theological system or meta narrative. So when I say dispensationalism, I might just be talking about what it says about end times. Sure. That's, sure. So I just wanted to say that. Um, but, but yeah, that's what I've always thought. I've always thought that people just need to grasp people grasp onto this. And they never let go mm-hmm. of their place through the calm and through the storm, through the calm and through the storm. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> you always you drop music so often. I'm the music guy. <laughs> people people want to be a part of it. And they get, they get they get weirded out when they realize that that might not be the case. Hmm. That changes them. Do you think that you it kind were... of bums you out? It bums you out at first. It did me. Okay. And it might still bum me out. Hmm. Because I was really wrapped up in this thing. Hmm. Um this end times hysteria. This I was deep in it. And cuz it, it excited me. It's sensationalistic. Because it, you get to witness it, you know. There's potential for me to witness this this huge life changing, eternity changing event, mm-hmm. um, and I, it, it might happen in my lifetime. Hmm. When that when that leaves, it bums you out quite a bit. I think that's why people have trouble letting go of it. Hmm. You know, I mean, whenever does anyone actually say on those polls? Oh, I, I, I think he's I, he's going to come back in about 500 years. <laughs> you know, I'm going to beat my fellow servants. <laughs> it's not going it, to, it just, people don't think of it that way. So yeah, that's just a little more of an observation than a question. Hmm. I guess it has a lot more. It, well, it, I have an answer to the question before it became that's an observation. Theory. Just people have, have trouble just in some people have trouble letting go of the fact that they might not be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Is that weird? No, I think, I think Is there are getting, a lot of reasons and I yeah. think, I think that's, that's one that makes sense to me, even if I can't identify with it. Like I could see that being yeah. something that would make, and, and we're not talking about like well, a rational argument within your head. That's like, I want to be a part of something big. Therefore this has to happen within my right, lifetime. Right, like right, that's yeah, silly. Yeah. Nobody thinks that way, right, right, but, right, yeah, but yeah. the classic flogging, like it influences us. Yeah. Um, did it? No, I think I was, it was more of a, uh, it was more of a slow burn for you. And when I say that, I mean, you grew up with this. It was normal. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, a lot of people, when they get into this, it gets them, it's, it gets them pretty excited and fired up, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, did that, did that ever happen to you? I mean, so we, the, were, we were ever like, cause you were, you were probably feeling, thinking these things before left behind. I came in during that. Yes, hysteria, that's so true. I jumped in the fire and everyone was excited about it. And I thought that was a normal, but that, that wasn't normal for you. Yeah. And before uh, left behind, it was uh, last days of planet earth. I think uh, was the, yeah, yeah. the book that I, I didn't read that. That didn't really directly impact me. Is that how Lindsay? I think so. Yeah. Okay. But I remember being like five to seven yeah. years old and being terrified that I was going to be left behind in the rapture. <laughs> well, is that, and a I remember <laughs> almost being like angry at God that like a seven year old could end up like my parents are raptured but mm. I, I'm just left here. Like I didn't quite understand the gospel oh, well wow. enough. And so I'm just left here. That's awful. <laughs> and now I'm going to go through this thing and reading the left behind series, like was interesting and fascinating, but it was different from reading other fiction because it's like, 
this could literally happen to me because I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I was saved. And you know, I had a, I had an Armenian epistemology and I think the, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was rough. Cause in, cause in that, in that, uh, system there are some that are left behind after all that's the title of the the, the series right who thought that they were kirk who thought they was were left, saved yeah kirk cameron was left behind right and everybody thinks he's saved especially now that he's a recon guy <laughs> finally you're comfortable with the uh, labeling him as a christian <laughs> it took that's what it took when did when did i not uh, i'm just joking okay. with you i'm just joking with you so so <laughs> But so that might have been like a five to seven year old thing, yeah. Versus like a real. Well, and I mean, I I was I was in the craze. I mean, once once it was kind of over that I had a T shirt that had a picture of a plane on it. Yeah. Said, "Don't be left behind." I had <laughs> I had dog tags. Have I told you this? Yeah, I had I, yeah yeah. I had dog tags that had like scripture references on them, just in case I was raptured. <laughs> So somebody finds like my pile of clothes and dog tags and they're like, Oh, I'm saved. You you still have those dog tags, but they say different things now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, so yeah, I mean, I went, I went pretty deep into dispensationalism. Yeah. Except, except, uh, the part where you actually understand why you believe it. Other than the rapture, was there there anything else that bothered you? Because there were some things that bothered me right away. I was kind of all, or did you just kind of accept it? Cause it that was, was the only universally accepted thing at my church. Anyway, was that there would have rapture and it was pre-trib and then a ba- bunch of bad stuff. And then, and then the return oh, okay. of Christ. And like I ditched, I ditched left. I ditched left behind. I ditched Funny. dispensationalism early enough in my theological journey to where a lot of the stuff you're probably about to mention didn't, didn't, didn't really hit me. Or maybe, maybe some of those things were the, were the early reasons why I was leaving it. The, yeah, we're. I think we're we're highlighting the differences in how, not how we came to the faith, but how it, I, my story is different than yours. It's a little bit of an overstatement. What? <laughs> how we came to the faith? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leaving dispensationalism, coming to the faith. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I meant. But uh, what I'm saying is, uh, we just have different stories. And uh, I I converted uh, in college, and yeah, I'm fine with using the word. I converted in college, and college was like, it was almost like I was just taken and hurled into a furnace of left behind dispensational end times theology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that became the principle. Would you call it a, a tribulation? It was, but it was fun. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and that was the primary, what's the word I want to use? It was the primary, it was the thing I thought most Catalyst. about. It was the thing I thought oh. most about basically because mm-hmm. it was the most fun, I guess the, the first that, that is absolutely. I remember being in high school yeah. and I remember they asked, well, what should we, what should we go through? And yeah. everybody was like end times yeah, and end times. let's go through. And it wasn't, wasn't end times. Those were, we didn't say end times. We certainly didn't say eschatology. We said yeah. the book of revelation. Yeah. Because that's that, that was the end times. Not because you know, it's, I'm not going to say mysterious book, but there's some, you know, there's, there, there's lots of debate. There's theatricality that, that yeah, yeah. debates. I mean, so what, what, what I'm saying is I'm making a, a distinction between the book of revelation being a lot of fun because it's sensationalistic and a lot of fun. And there's lots of crazy things that happen mm-hmm. versus I'm really curious about the book of revelation because there are lots of things I don't know. There's like intellectual curiosity. Right. And then there's just, you know, sensational fun oh, we get to go on this huge ride that we might be a part of. It could happen in five years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You never know. Well, and my favorite yeah. thing, this kind of illustrates why, why I was never hardcore into dispensationalism. It's like every time they decided, okay, we'll go through the book of Revelation, we'd get through the churches. 
and then stop and do something else. Really? Yeah. And, and it, I, I honestly think it was because often, maybe not always, but the people teaching got to, you know, revelation. I think it, everything four or five, four. Yeah. After uh, the churches. Yeah. It, yeah. In, in chapter four. And it's like, wow, there's a lot of stuff here. I'm overwhelmed. Let's talk, go through John. Like, so really? No. Growing up. Like, do you I know can't how remember many, it. How I many think it happened when I was very young. And, and in that whole time, the 20 or so years that you were there, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. was there ever a series on revelation other than in the, adult Sunday school when I was not old enough, but never by the, uh, never by the teachers of, of my age group. And then yeah. never in the, in the, that I can recall never in the uh, sermon series, but surely it can't be that mysterious. It's not that it's mysterious. It's that, you know, I know, I, I know a handful of people have, started like people that I know have started through a series on revelation, gotten to I mean like preached or teaching, preaching, teaching, Sunday school, preaching. Okay. you know, whatever and gotten to the point where they're supposed to say the dispensational things and gone. I don't think this is what this is saying. Oh, and just and decided to move away uh, okay. and not study the issue. Well, that's another thing, which is sort of, I mean, that's, that's a personality thing because for me, that's kind of what drove me to, be not a dispensationalist anymore. Yeah. And for other people, it's like, this is scary. I don't understand it. I'm going to move away. You know, that book, once you get to a certain, like once you get to after the churches, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're, you're the preacher, you're sitting there, you're preparing your sermon notes. You're thinking, you know, you can almost pinpoint the week mm-hmm. where I'm going to have to say something and I'm going to have to, I can't, I can't dance around. I'm going to have to show people where I stand on this. Right. I can't just, give a word to them and leave it up to them. <laughs> right. You have right. to say something I mean, some, somewhat some, authoritative about it. Some like, people don't. Some people yeah. give all four views and then that's what we did. Like we went, we yeah. gave all the four views and like, I lean this way sometimes, but yeah. I don't know. And I, I, I'm not criticizing them. I have some sympathy for them because mm-hmm. I mean, depending on where you are, I mean, like if you're in a dispensational church and you don't, and you're not all, you're not, you're not all in. Mm-hmm and you go against it. I mean, that might be problematic for you. Mm-hmm. Um, now this is, this is, this gets to the question that you were asking that you answered that I was going to answer. <laughs> Sorry. Which was why <laughs> do people get so pat? Because you, you, what you said yeah. there is like, I mean, it's weird that a church will have a doctrinal statement. That's seven points long. It includes uh-huh. some possibly modalistic understanding of the Trinity, a basic explanation of the gospel wow. from an Arminian perspective. <laughs> You're so mean and, over there. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> calm down. Maybe they have 10 points and it's a little better, but, but that's like, that's the sum of their less the sum of their thing. But for whatever reason included on that is pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, okay. And they'll, they'll take their stand on that. They'll take a stand on that. They won't, they won't take a stand on like Calvinism. Like, yeah. Anyway. Um, but no, what I, what I was getting at is like, what you just said is, is there, you know, you're, you're an up and coming teacher in your church. You know, you're, you're teaching Sunday school. You're supposed to do a week on revelation and you realize, I don't know if I believe this. And now you're afraid, like you're afraid that maybe you're a pastor and you're afraid you're going to get fired. Maybe you're, you know, and so you just, you just shut down and you don't do it or you do the four views or you just say what you're told to say. And th- that's, that's what I mean by the, your, your question earlier is like, why are people so passionate about this? And that's why you're afraid is because, people for whatever reason will fire you as a pastor over not being a pre-trib guy. Well, and you think that still happens? Probably not as much, yeah, but yeah, we're yeah. talking like deep South, you know, I yeah, mean yeah, like, yeah. like deep, deep SBC. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the reasons there, 
and R. Scott Clark has talked a little bit about this. I can't remember who it was that I first heard this argument from, uh, but covenant theology is, is you know, reformed covenant theology mm-hmm. took a really bad turn in the 17, 1800s and became really, really liberal. So like the whole church was practically Presbyterian or, or close to Presbyterian ish, the glory days for for, you know, 1600s, 1700s. And then like huge swaths, especially in Europe started turning liberal. And is this because of the enlightenment or, well, I mean, I, you could, you, there are many reasons why I mean, you could, why you could argue, but, but the, the liberalization of specifically the Academy and okay. also like the PC, the PC USA. Right. Yeah. And that like, when dispensationalism was belched forth into the earth, yeah. uh, it, it was a response. It, it was a conservative response to a, a theological movement that had a liberal theological movement that had taken over the church that had covenant theology at its heart. And this is the hermeneutical thing. You're to, to put a little bit more. Yeah. This is less, less the saying. end times and more the hermeneutical thing. Yeah. The hermeneutical liberal hermeneutical uh, keep, systems came about. And as a response to that, the fundamentalists came in the literalists or the, sorry, the literalists. But yeah, you're right. The fundamentalists, better- the, the literalists and, and the response was, it was a, it was too far. If that makes sense. Like yeah. their thought was, they, Oh, the yeah. reason for this is any kind of allegory and, um, covenant theology. So they got rid of covenant theology. They got, I mean, they got, you know, they got rid of, uh, allegory and now you have a strictly literal understanding of the scriptures trying to hodgepodge something together where, where you can't let locusts be, be a metaphor. And yeah, and, and, but, yeah. but, but, but the, the thing that it hinges on and the reason that it's the people are so passionate about it is because you're either, there was a period in history fairly recently where you were either a dispensationalist or you were a liberal or you were yeah. 1% yeah, yeah. of, of actually conservative Presbyterians and reformed people. And that was quite descriptive of the problem mm-hmm. that dispensationalism was, and I, I'm going to be careful here was really more of a reaction in than, a lot. I mean, there's, there was a lot going on, obviously from a neutral place. Um, forming a meta narrative about how to interpret the Bible, which right. is essentially what dispensationalism is. It wasn't from a place of neutrality. Right. It was a reaction. It was everywhere they go out a- a- allegory. We want to go, you know, everywhere yeah. we can. Jesus is not literally a door. Obviously there were some, some yeah. control words they had learning that historical point that you just articulated helped with coming out of it. I would say, hmm. um, because I'm like, wow, you know what? You're right. There is a reason this happened when it did. Mm-hmm not why, but like when, when is very instructive. And in, when it comes to dispensationalism mm-hmm. um, and that certainly helped me think better about it coming out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it really is a hermeneutical thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is about hermeneutics and they take a certain hermeneutic when looking at the book of revelation or really anything that having somewhat anything tangentially to do with timing, mm-hmm. um, they adopt a certain kind of hermeneutic and that's the control hermeneutic. And that's where they get to the, the conclusions that they get to. Um, well, well, that's a, a pool that I, I need to be careful. We, we, we can't go there too much. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's an interesting point. And so, so really, I mean, it might not be that way anymore, but for a lot of people who learned about this, this, this is the, the litmus test for whether or not you're a conservative or whether you're one of those crazy post mill guys who thinks that the church is going to make everything better through soup kitchens. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's another thing we should talk about someday. <laughs> soup We're, kitchens? Not soup kitchens, but like, uh, the post mill thing. 
Oh yeah, because I, I am post mill. You are post mill, and you're Amil, and I'm Amil. Yeah, and, I figured uh, we should say that at some point. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> uh, they're they're closely related, though, aren't they? Sort uh, of. But uh, another another kind of question that I thought about. It's maybe less a question and more of a, a just a statement. I thought that um, um, I looked at premillennial guys, all millennial guys, just men. No. <laughs> <laughs> What a sexist you are, Jim. Um, uh, premillennial people, all millennial people, and postmillennial people. Is there really a difference? Is there really a difference in how they should go about their theological ways, their theological day? And this is how where they, the recons come in with their sword. We'll, we'll leave them out for now. <laughs> we'll leave them. We'll leave the sword out. Well, of not, it. what I mean by that is they come in attacking the dispensationalists on this particular point. Here's, here's what I mean. I think the stereotype is the premillennial person is very cynical about where history is going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why polish brass on a sinking ship? They're sure. And, and, and as a result, they're, they retreat from culture. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not saying uh, this is a blanket statement, but maybe that's a tendency or a stereotype. I wouldn't say anything about their blankets. Okay. Yeah. Who knows? Um, um, and then postmillennial people just to keep going with the thought are on the other side of the coin and they're, they're very optimistic. Mm-hmm. And they're culture warriors and they're in culture and they stick with it or they stick with it. And uh, all millennials, who knows where they are? Maybe they're a mix of the two. Maybe they're more, they're more probably post millennial than uh, premillennial. But anyways, I just thought, you know, when people get crazy about those distinctives, I just wonder, does it a Christian? No, no, if, if they're either one of those things or if they're any one of those things, it shouldn't make too much of a difference how they go about their Christian life, because essentially we all have the same, we all have the same marching orders, don't we? Technically speaking, yeah, yeah, a premillennial person should be working hand in hand or alongside of the postmillennialist with his soup kitchen. They I can mean, work in the soup kitchen. I think you know what consistent I mean? dispensationalism. Oh, okay. If you believe that the end times are really freaking nigh, like not just yeah. nigh, but like any really day close, now. Yeah. If you believe that, then soup kitchens are a waste of time because we might have less time than it takes people to starve to death to give them the gospel. Really though? I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying to be consistent to like, I don't think anybody actually does this. Like, and if they do, they do it for a couple of weeks. You're saying the logical consistent taking it to its extreme or its logical conclusion. Right. Okay. But I mean, this is common that people have beliefs that should lead them to do things that are wrong. Yeah. Or if you have the right theology, but they end up doing the right things anyway. Like yeah. this, I think it's, sure. it's one of the things that God had kind of built into the world that like, you're going to be wrong about this, but you're still going to do the right thing. <laughs> so thank, thankfully. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm sure that I, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of this too. As times. long as you do the right thing, David, uh, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking of, uh, you know, it, having been in that, that theological framework, you know, there is the, the, the thief in the night thing, you know, you don't mm-hmm. want to be caught, uh, not working in the soup kitchen. Even if you think things are going really, really bad, you should be in it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, that was, yeah, a, I think I, I do think that people do use it as an excuse that people, people use dispensationalism as an excuse. Like Jesus gives two parables about the kingdom. One is uh, it's like uh, the master who gave out the talents mm-hmm. and the guy who buries his is, is, is rebuked, right? Yeah. I think the dispensationalists frequently bury their talent because they're like, well, my master is going to be back tomorrow. Okay. But I think that the, the other side of this, cause they'll argue with me yeah. and say, well, what about the, the parable where, uh, the, the servant says, Oh, my master won't be back for a long time now. 
And so he starts to beat his fellow servants. Do, do you want to be that guy? He said, well, just because I think that the rap, the rapture, that the, that the end times may not be for another 10,000 years. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not the part that Jesus is critiquing. Yeah. He's upset with people beating their fellow servants. Okay. <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I should just say a gym historical note. Um, so I was going to mention this in the beginning, but we didn't. Um, my, the first thing I did when I, when I became a Christian was I went to family Christian bookstore. Is that what it's called? Family Christian. The one that folded a couple of years ago. I have no idea what you're talking about. There was a, a Christian bookstore that was a national chain. It's called family Christian, I think. But anyways, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. Were they huge? Like huge yeah, bookstores? Like, like Barnes and Noble? Huge. What, what was it called? I have no idea, but I, I, I remember that was one of my favorite places to go growing up. Uh, what was I gonna say? So, so the first thing I did was I went to, this is my, this, this, this decision that I made was very consequential. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, one of the first things I did is I went to the family Christian bookstore, went straight to the Bible section and said, well, I'm a Christian now. I guess I need a Bible. One that I really like because I had a Bible, uh-huh. uh, but uh, I wanted a, a different one. Um, and I went to the Bible section and I went to the KGV section because I was KGV only at the time. <laughs> we'll discuss that later. That's exciting. Um, and thou? <laughs> the, the, there was a lot of choices at the time. ESV study Bible wasn't around at the time. No, that was so, 2001. Yeah, so, so I didn't, I didn't, I no, didn't, 2007. I didn't. Yeah. I'm that was so much talking. later. And I zeroed in on this curious little Bible called the Tim LaHaye prophecy study Bible. <laughs> now I don't know. I didn't know who that was. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I had a little, I had a little bit of knowledge of what the left behind book series was, mm-hmm. but a, the, a friend of mine was deep into a charismatic prophet kind of, kind of stuff. Ah, so prophecy. I saw prophecy mm-hmm. and went, Oh, I should probably get this. Do you think that's why there is such a, despite, despite the existence of John MacArthur, there is such a huge existence of dispensational Pentecostals because of the word prophecy in the study Bibles. Maybe because it, it's something that has always baffled me. Like the, the attraction of it or why people just kind of zero in on well, it. Why? I mean, dispensationalism is cessationist. True. But there are so many cessationist or continuationist dispensationalists sure. now. I, th- I think the reason why is we've already touched on it. It's because of the the market share of the discussion is about the end time stuff. There's that, yeah. And I think that's what draws them in. Mm. But you're right. Yeah, I, that is or kind of... Or just confusion a, that you had on about prophecy. Well, at the time I was not a cessationist. Um, I was in kind of uh, the, the, the crazy... It was, it was my crazy phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all crazy dispensational um, end times prophecy stuff that uh, I just thought, okay, I guess this is my Bible. Right. And that decision probably started this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I had a friend who was really into prophecy at the time and uh, I got this and I, I voraciously read it up every single study note. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you, did you, this is kind of uh, tangential. We'll call it an excursus excursus. Excursus. Okay. Uh, did you, what, what level of authority did the notes hold for you? I, I mean, I wouldn't, if, if with a gun to my head, I wouldn't say that this is, I knew it wasn't scripture, right? It wasn't scripture, right? But I believed every single word. Yeah. I took it in. Was that because I was young and naive? I was new in the faith. I don't know exactly why I, I just accepted it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
but just it felt right at the time. <laughs> I remember talking to I just assumed it was right. I remember talking to kind of a new believer, uh, or at least new newly returned to the faith uh, kind of guy who was arguing with me about dispensationalism. And I was saying, well, where is it in the Bible? And he opened to a passage. I think it was the Ryrie study Bible. Oh, and he pointed to the note. Oh no. <laughs> and I said, that's just a note. Where yeah, is it yeah. in the Bible? He says, it's in the Bible. Look here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I was, I was wondering if that's, that's a common experience. That's interesting. Well, I mean, uh, maybe I would have done the same thing he did, hmm. but certainly at the time it was, it, it was, it was, man, it was authoritative to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I just, I just ate it all up. And that became just kind of like my theological, spiritual life. I was in kind of like the honeymoon phase. I was feeling on fire. Everything was awesome. Everything was great. Mm-hmm. And it's all fun because I'm reading about all this end time stuff that could happen in five years. I mean, just, I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Sure. In terms of just enthusiasm, but that, I mean, it, it, it got me really deep into it and its claws were really dug deep into my skin mm-hmm. and uh, it took a while to get them off of it. Um, but but where I wanted to go with this was I wanted to touch on where it kind of changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How did it change? Now, for, now I will say in terms of my personality, it took the most of my time thinking about all this stuff. I wasn't thinking about a lot of other stuff, but, um, but where it changed for me and I want to know can where I, it changed for you. Can I ask you to, yeah. to not, 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 I'll let you, I'll let you explain yeah. in bigger, in longer terms yeah. in a minute. But if you were to try to summarize it in like one sentence, what was the, the motivating factor? One or two sentences of why, of why you ditched dispensationalism. I had some doubts, mm. lingering doubts that, um, doubts about what the Bible was true. Uh, what, what the Bible, no, 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 what the notes were saying, not what the notes were saying, what whether, the whether they were, were correct. They were just claiming some really big, broad things. Like I remember, I remember clear as day, the sentence of, um, one of the biggest evidences for the exist or the doctrine of the rapture was the fact that the church is not mentioned in, you know, in this certain section of the scripture. Mm-hmm. And I just went, what? That's mm-hmm. not an mm-hmm. arg. That's not a good argument at all. You say that. What? I didn't to do me it, all the time. I didn't do that's... the gym. What at the time, <laughs> but if, 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 if I got in my way back machine, it would be like, what? Um, and another weird thing. Jim Briggs time machine. <laughs> the Jim Briggs time machine. Um, coming to you live. Um, uh, going to dispensationalism proper, moving away from end time stuff. The two people of God is distinct. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The, the, the nation of Israel distinct from the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and we won't get it too much into, into that, but I didn't understand why there was two, the distinctions. They're not, I know that I know, I don't know if every dispensationalist would say that they're mutually exclusive. I don't think they would say that mm-hmm. there's lots of different, uh, ways of thinking there's progressive dispensationalists that would say something a little bit different, but there's, there's some overlap, but, but two peoples of God, two plans for the, those people, the, those peoples. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I never got why that had to be. That mm-hmm. was really weird to me. That was never resolved. It was never resolved. It was just something that kept in the back of my mind that, that this, I don't think this makes sense. I don't think what they're saying about this is true. And, and I kind of got out of that part of my life, that sensational honeymoon. I got out of the honeymoon phase is kind of what, it, what happened. Mm-hmm. And I got to college. I talked about this earlier. I, I converted, to, converted to Calvinism. I became a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. And I started to learn a little bit about how to interpret the Bible, mm-hmm. learn a little bit about hermeneutics. And by the time college was done, I was ready to kind of just cast it all off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the, the rapture was really, 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 really weird. And I 
just could not see much evidence, really good evidence for the rapture, even when I was in this honeymoon phase. Hmm. And ironically, the I got out of it from the most unlikely source looking back now. Um, you've heard of Hank Hanegraaff, right? Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer yep, man who yep. had the, who has a radio show. He's still, still on to this day. Um, at around 2006, 2007, he started talking about end time stuff mm-hmm. and he wrote a book called the apocalypse code. I was really into Bible answer. What man about at the, the apocalypse? Uh, uh, alpaca. Um, alpaca. Um, the apocalypse code, uh-huh. a play on a book. Hal Lindsey wrote called apocalypse code. Okay. And this book was more a direct critique of Tim LaHaye. Oh my goodness. Stuff. Are you Greek Orthodox now? No. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> we might as well touch on that. I mean, um, <laughs> Hank took a turn <laughs> a couple years ago and uh, I don't, uh, I haven't listened to the show in years, uh, but, 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 but I'm, this is, this is kind of the unlikely um, point that I kind of made a little bit earlier. Uh, I read this book, apocalypse code and it completely like in the span of one book, Mm-hmm. Uh, completely uh, changed my viewpoint on the end times. He, this is, it, it was, it was, uh, it's essentially he was arguing for amillennialism. Okay. Um, but it, what he didn't, I don't think he mentioned amillennialism, the, the phrase or the, the term amillennialism once during this book, because it was more about critiquing Tim LaHaye and his stuff, the left behind stuff. But by, uh, by implication, mm-hmm. uh, it brought me towards right into amillennialism. And, and that was kind of when it all changed. I finally got rid of it all. Um, almost every bit of it. I was, I, I wouldn't call myself, I never really would call myself a dispensationalist, but I certainly wasn't going to right after I read that book. Hmm. And ever since then, I've been comfortably an amillennialist. Mm-hmm. And most of the people in our circles, I would say maybe are new Calvinists. Yeah, well, either, or either amill or like historic pre-mill sometimes, yeah. but yeah, mostly amill or panmill. Uh, yeah, or Panmill. Yeah. I, I might have called myself a Panmillennialist for a little bit. I wouldn't yeah. anymore. Uh, but, uh, but, but that's kind of how I got out of it. How did it happen for you, though? Um, this was pretty... Not Hank Hanegraaff. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't even hear of him until like a few years ago. I, really? didn't, I didn't know who he was until like the Bible Answer Man. I still don't know what he's famous for. I mean, I know being the Bible answer man, but like, was that a TV program or radio program? It was just a radio program. Okay. Um, so for me, it's kind of a wishy, a wibbly wobbly yeah. uh, story, which is why the you way had a lot more doubts than I forward. did. Um, right? yeah, I guess. I mean, it was never it didn't just happen. One it day. was never explained to me. Well, and I remember, I remember before, before I went to Bible college, I remember taking it upon myself to try to like, read revelation and understand it and understand what was going on. And that's kind of, I guess where it started because for me, it was just like, what does this have to do with the left behind series? Like, how are these, I don't know what this is saying, but I can't grok how this is saying what, what my study Bible says it's saying. Yeah. Like I just couldn't see the connection. You were asking the questions that normal people normally didn't ask if they grew up with it or if that was the norm. I, I mean, people asked it, but when they were told that the answer was complicated and they didn't oh, okay. like okay. it went over their head and they thought that that was the end of it. They're like, Oh, yeah. I just don't understand it. Okay. Sure. And which is odd for me because at that time I really, I, I was plagued with doubt about my own intelligence. I was, mm-hmm. I was very much convinced that I was kind of a moron. <laughs> okay. And so it's surprising to me that I didn't 
that, that I did dig my heels in and say, I'm going to try to understand yeah. this. And when I didn't understand it, say this doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I guess that might've been, I mean, I had a lot of reasons for a lot, a lot, a lot of bigger reasons for going to Bible college, but I guess that might've been one of the small ones. Why I decided I'm going to go learn the Bible at Bible college at a dispensational Bible college. And that was really the first time that it was presented to me more formally. Like I can think of a couple guys who tried to do that. I wasn't always there for those Sunday schools. And even the ones that I was there for, didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And I don't know how good a job they were doing. I was, you know, 17 at the time or whatever. But, um, so when I got to Bible college and it's being explained to me, there was a lot that I liked about Bible college. There was a lot that I was learning that I really appreciated that. I mean, and a lot of it now I would, I would still, I, I would, you know, even more of it now I would eschew, but, um, at the time there was a lot that I liked, but when we came to Daniel and revelation, which was like its own course, I remember just sitting there and, and you, you're, you're what yeah. moment just kept ha- to the point where just once I, I, I did it almost like, like out loud and people looked at me and I was like, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it was just crumbling down. And I right just remember like writing note after note, like they would say, this says this, and it must mean this, like, like the, the seven, the seven sevens of sevens, seven years of sevens. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I remember them saying this must be three and a half. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, there are so many other numbers that this could be <laughs> like, I just, I started to list them. I'm like, no, I'm just counting. Like that's all that I'm doing now is counting. Yeah, the fuzzy like, math of dispensationalism. Where, what? Yeah. Uh, and so at that time, I just, I, 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 it felt weird because I was, I was on this boat, and I felt very compelled to jump off of it, but I didn't have another boat that I was jumping off into. But I was just like, well, I can swim for a while. Like it's better than being <laughs> on this boat. Like <laughs> just a, a pseudo pan millennial in the water with yeah. a life jacket, just chilling. And man, I mean that, that was, that was what did it for me was really just digging in and trying to understand what they were saying. And these, you know, these are guys who are like, they're not like the world renowned dispensational scholars, yeah. but they know the world. They renowned. Disp- yeah. I mean, they, 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 they knew them like what, what's his name? Uh, one of my professors used to call <sighs> is there a famous guy at DTS right now? Famous dispensational guy. Daryl Bach. Yeah. One of one of my professors used to uh, kind of tongue in cheek call one of the one of the really famous dispensationalists by like an abbreviation of his first name. Okay. Uh, because he was that close with him. Oh, um, okay. So like these guys, they they knew this. Like they, there were better places to go probably, yeah. but this was in the top ten. Yeah. And I, I was I was just like awestruck at how none of this made sense to me, and I knew yeah. I had to find something else. Okay. Um, I had another thought on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to transition into ending it now. Oh, and, and, and it wasn't just the end time stuff. I mean, it was also like all along the way, there were things about the structure that just didn't, it didn't make sense why you turned there. Like, why did you have to turn this literal? but you're okay with this being allegorical. I never quite wrapped my head around that. It, 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 did, it did get a, no, a quite nonsensical, that distinction, literal versus symbolic. Right. And that it was like a mantra. Yeah, it, was, um, it, it absolutely was. And I, at one point I, I read this one. So this was after I had, 
abandon the whole system, but I read dispensationalism by, by, uh, Charles Ryrie. Yeah. By Ryrie. And I, I remember him saying that the whole, the whole point of dispensationalism, everybody else interprets the Bible according to basically no standard or, or they have, Hmm. he might've mentioned a couple other standards, but he said dispensationalism is unique because it is the only system that is objective. The, Hmm. the dispensational interpreter always interprets the Bible by what he feels to be the most literal interpretation. And that's why it's objective. And I was just like, Hmm. what he feels to be the, like you understand that. What, yeah. You've, you've built something out of stone, but you've put it on top of a cloud. Like, <laughs> everybody else is built on a cloud, but we built this thing of stone and put it on top of a cloud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, and that was, that was kind of where, where the wheels just completely, because it's like, okay, this is, Oh, and this was the other thing that I was going to bring up was realizing the history of dispensationalism. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big one. Uh, the, the thing with the, the lady who told Darby her dream about the rapture. And that's kind of where that doctrine really <laughs> oh, essentially dear. originated. That's why you hate dreams. <laughs> and then I, I don't dream. Um, <laughs> it's true. You can ask my wife. Okay. <laughs> I tell her like every dream that I have once a year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and none of them are about the rapture. Well, I mean, it, you mean the, uh, the one per year. Yeah. Um, but I, so th- there was that. And then realizing like, and literally having professors say to me that like, nobody understood the Bible until dispensationalism. And that came along 250 years ago. Mormons say that Jehovah's witnesses say that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't even me. <laughs> um, that was, a, that was another big one. And that, that kind of started that started a, uh, there were so many factors, Jim. Yeah. That started, that started a a recurring theme of like, what other things do I believe that are really new? Well, um, there's a lot we can say about this, but I I was, I would, we're going to probably try and we're going to attempt to end the show. We're going to attempt to end. We're going to attempt to, I can't talk. We're going to attempt to end the show today. Okay. No, we're going to attempt to end the show now. Okay. We're going to attempt to end the show now. Uh, but I, I'm reminded of a, a little story I wanted to tell you where, I mean, you and I, I think, have been out of that world for so the dispensational world. We've been out of it for so long that we don't really think we're going to encounter anybody who's still in it. It it's, not often, at least in the circles that we are. Yeah, it feels weird for me to realize that, but you're right. A lot of a lot of people I know are just all millennials, and it's just we're just bored with it. You know, we're just <laughs> moving on with life. And you it's should just, try post mail. <laughs> I, I need to I need to get get some excitement in my life. But um, I went to uh, a. a Bible study on revelation a couple years ago. It was gonna be a lot of fun. And I was really excited because I'm like, you know, I haven't really sat down and, and examined this book since I got out of dispensationalism at <clears throat> a whole, the whole book from beginning to end serious study commentaries, the whole works just, just let's just dig in mm-hmm. and figure it out. And so, um, so I was in this Bible study on the book of revelation. It was with a bunch of other guys uh-huh. and uh, guys I knew and, and Ombres, the group as you would say. was so big that it had to be split in two. So a bunch of guys met on a Friday morning and, a, and me and a bunch of other guys met on a Saturday morning. And somehow I got into the group where I was like one of the only millennials there. Everyone <laughs> else was pretty much premillennial dispensational kinds of guys. <laughs> And the other group, the Friday morning group was all all millennial. (laughs) So I was in the wrong group. And I remember a number of confrontations, mild, 
mild confrontations throughout that study where my amillennialism came up against their premillennialism. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so odd to go through that. I mean, I would sometimes say just normal amillennial things that don't offend anybody, just normal stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was looked at like I just killed a baby cow in front of them mm-hmm. uh, or a ba- just slaughtered a baby sheep. And uh, I, you mean I, like, I was you mean I was, like what we'll all do in the, uh, in the millennial <laughs> millennium temple, right? <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> the, the sacrificial system, thankfully it'll come back during the millennial kingdom. Um, that was another thing I was weirded out by. Uh, but oh, yeah, it was, oh, yeah, it was so <laughs> weird. My, my professor gave me the analogy. He's what? like, it's like communion. Well, you do it and remember that was it. so strange to me. Like, well, we have communion. Like, <laughs> what do we need the sacrificial system for? Yeah, yeah that was so odd. Uh, but, but it was such a trip for me to be just in, in the church that I was in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and going through a book on revelation. And I was defending all millennialism. <laughs> I mean, it felt so odd to me, but it was like, it was like a blast from the past. It kind of reminded me of where no, I did, once did was. Did you actually do it? Cause I mean, I could do a whole episode on this, like defending all millennialism. Not yeah. only that, just, just making did you all pick fights. Uh, one or two. Okay. But how <laughs> many fights could you have picked? This, um, this is interesting. Oh, I don't know. This maybe is... 27. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially with the person teaching it right. too. So what was, was that like? How do you feel? Uh, it, it, oh, it felt oddly exhilarating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm, I'm, we were fighting about end time stuff. I mean, it's not a big. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's nice in that context. And, and yeah. most of, most of the fights that I pick with with you know fellow fellow believers are things that we're not going to like break yeah, up over. Yeah, yeah, this wasn't a big deal. I mean, the right. other things we could have fought about could be you know. Like the Trinity, <laughs> a, whole lot, a whole lot more blood uh, yeah. would be involved in that fight. But it reminded me that you know I'm taking it for granted, but this this end times stuff is very influential mm-hmm. and sticks with people for a long time, mm-hmm. and they and they don't like letting it go. Mm-hmm. And it just reinforced the belief that this is just one of those things that you just don't touch because if you touch it, you might get hit yeah. in the face. I'm very familiar with that. Um, yeah, I bet. Well, and I mean, it's it's kind of. We're going to end here soon. Yeah. This is well, that was a false end. This is going to end. This is a false end. Yeah. Um, but like, it's going to be really interesting to see so much. I think of the, the momentum that dispensationalism had was cultural, whether yeah. it's the books or the movies yeah. or just everybody believing it. And now that, now that new Calvinism kind of has the cultural momentum. And now that I can't be like when John MacArthur dies, who's the leading dispensational scholar, maybe not in terms of groundbreaking scholarly work, but in terms of like radio programs and, and podcasts and what have you like, I can't really think of one. I can't either. And, and I mean, yeah, it's going to be really like what, what, what will happen to that movement once the momentum leaves? Yeah. I don't think it's going to shift back in its favor. I think it's just going to keep on its, its downward slope that it's been, that it's been on Mm -hmm. and we're Mm -hmm. just going to quietly let it die. Mm-hmm. hopefully and just not like look at it or make reference to it or poke it, mm-hmm. you know, cause it might like resuscitate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you asked why, why dispensationalism, why it, why it became so big. That was yeah. the question. Yeah. So you asked why, why it had so much momentum. I think one of the reasons for that is because it's the wars and rumors of wars that that's another mantra that that's a mantra that, that people repeat over and over and over again with dispensationalism. And I think it's, you know, you see the culture crumbling around you. Like, like we feel like this is the worst that things have ever been. And I think the reason that that 
that that makes so much sense to people that that's where we're at now. Right, right. They assume it is because of two things. One being almost entirely unaware of how we got to where we are yeah, yeah. in terms of wow. how we could be falling from anywhere Yeah, because we're falling from somewhere. Yeah. Dispensationalism kind of makes it seem like Jesus came acts happened and then everything just got worse because of Catholicism <laughs> and worse and worse and worse and worse. And oh yeah, the reformation and worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and now it's at the worst that it's ever been. Like that's kind of how you believe history to have been since, but realistically like the Christianity started with 12 guys and grew to cover most of the planet. And when you look at like the 16, 1700s, you have like the peak of Western civilization embracing biblical principles and studying theology and teaching theology. And like that, that period is what we've fallen from. And so things look really, really bad. If all you're really remembering is like the last 400 years, because that's like, you know, American history is, is the thing that you covered most in high school. You are going to get criticized for what you just said. Am I, you are going to get criticized. I I just heard the voices of many crying out in terror and then <laughs> silenced when you said that. Wow. Because they are going to, not all of it. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zero in here. They're going to take your statement of the 16th, 17th century. Is that what you said? 16th, 17th century yep. being the pinnacle of Western or the world's embrace of Christianity mm-hmm. as the pinnacle. They're going to zero in on that and they're going to find out everything that the church did wrong. And they're of gonna course it in. did lots of stuff wrong. Like, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not saying that it was perfect. I'm not saying that it was a golden age, but your point that I'm it's just not saying just Jesus acts and then just down. Right. Acts yeah. was also a pinnacle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> acts was pretty good. Certainly <laughs> like having the literal apostles around, but, but from, from there you have kind of ebbs and flows and, and this dark period before, you know, you know, basically most people's memory of church history, most, most, I almost said Baptist. That's, that's painting <laughs> with too broad of a brush, but you yeah. know what I mean? Like most, yeah. I haven't been educated about church history. People's impression of church history is as bad as it was right before Luther. That's how bad it was almost immediately after acts. Then came the reformation. Nobody really understands where that falls in line with biblical prophecy, but it's a thing that happened. Things got really good in the sense that like, we're not as bad as Catholicism. And then now everything's falling apart. And now we know that the end times are coming because it's never been, but it's been so much worse. Yeah. I mean, it's been like, it has been like Nero burning Christians on public display. I'm with you on that one. Like it's been so much worse, even, even at the hands of the, 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 the the false church, the antichrist. I mean, so, I mean, that's the argument that I would want to make against that. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is I think, I think one of the reasons that it gained such popularity, especially the end time stuff is, people are looking for an explanation as to how things got the way, how things got as bad as they are. It makes and it they easier. have this, this grandiose picture of what the church in act was and, and an understanding that hundred years ago, things used to be way better. Look at how bad sure, things yeah. have fallen, and even just within the last hundred years. Yeah. That argument falls apart fairly quickly. Once you pick up that history book, it does. It does. Yeah. And yeah. it, uh, very interesting. Well, David, I think we have, uh, we've learned a little bit more about each other today and about, dispensationalism and about boom, this, boom, boom. yes 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 uh, so it, it's, it's good from time to time to remind people that we are somewhat a christian show <laughs> we might as well indirectly talk about theological yeah. things in our way <laughs> and then uh, next week we'll go back to something that's just completely nonsensical so yeah that sounds good well, we, have, we have six more parts so uh see you then bye-bye thanks jim bye bye bye, bye.